Welcome back to In Light of the Gospel, episode 29. Today I'm talking to a man named Frank Bolt. He's from Alberta, from the Bible Truths Group. Um, I'm heading out to Alberta in a few weeks to preach a series of meetings there. Uh, we'll be in Vauxhall, Alberta. Most of the, the guys there are from the Tabor area, from what I understand. And it's nice to kind of get to know some of them a little bit more. I've talked with John Giesbrecht and John Bolt in the past, and so now I got to hear uh, Frank's story. And it's, it's a very typical old colony type of upbringing and his mindset, the way that he thought about church, the way that he thought about baptism, the way that he thought about eternal life and death. I think it's very convicting to a lot of people in that lifestyle. And it's also very liberating to see that you can come out of it and you can come to trust and know that you are saved, not because of a certain day that you trusted, not because of a certain thing that you did when you trusted, but because you're trusting in the one who saves. So I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you sharing these videos with your friends. And if you if you know that this video would really hit home with somebody, encourage them, you know, say, hey, man, you got to listen to Frank Bolt's story. It's really neat. And you'll I think it'll really help you. So thanks again for doing this. I appreciate you tuning, tuning in and uh, following along with these podcasts. God bless you. Perfect. Yeah, I was I was expecting to have a bit of a beard competition here, and now I've got you beat. You know what? Sunday this happened. It's funny. Everywhere I go, everyone's <laughs> just like, what happened to you? Like, do I know you? You know, it's like I've had it for so long, and everyone knows me as that. And so, you know, when I trimmed it off, like, people are like, they've ne- some people have never seen me like this, right? Yep. Um, but uh, I figured something different, right? I only grew it out as just try something different, see how long I can – grow it before i get too annoyed and cut it off right yeah, it takes a yeah. lot of maintenance a lot of maintenance especially so, as it gets really long right i had to blow dry it i had to straighten <laughs> it i had to i had to oil it every day like it's it's insane like it's worth i spent almost as much time in there as my wife did in the washroom right oh so, boy you know this yeah, is all going fun. on the podcast right yeah oh you're right okay <laughs> no, i'm kidding yeah yeah no it's uh it's a lot of maintenance but uh i figure you know what it's a little more professional like this um, but it's funny, a little, a little backstory. I started growing facial hair because everyone looked at me as I was 12, right? Okay. And, and they respected me as that as well. And uh, I, I felt like, you know what? People look at me as a kid and I need to change that. And it just, it got out of hand, right? There you so, go. How, yeah. how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Take a guess. 27. I like that. Yeah. I'm 30. 30 so I okay just, i just actually yeah i just actually turned 30 last month right so but it's funny when i had my beard you know and i would ask that people were all guessing like 37 five to eight years older yeah. than i am right so <laughs> for sure i know my yeah. my wife really did not like facial hair we grew up mennonite mennonites don't yeah. grow facial hair right so i was always yeah. clean shaven and she liked the way it looked and even if i just had a bit of scruff a scruff was okay but anything more than that she would get annoyed by it and then yeah. I just started growing a goatee and eventually a bit of a beard and, and she just got accustomed to it. And now she actually likes it. And then one day, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, I shaved it completely off and she's like, no, go put it back on. <laughs> I can't deal with this. It yeah. just, it yeah. changes the way that you look completely, right? Like, yeah. Well, not the same person. Face, everything is like, the whole head looks smaller. Right? Exactly. Your lips and, look yeah. strange, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what happened to my chin? It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there you yeah. go. So yeah. uh, you're originally from Leamington area, right? I talked to your brother John some months yeah. back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were, uh, we lived in Wheatley. Yeah. Okay. So we spent quite a bit of time in Leamington there. Um, I was I was ten when we moved to the Leamington area. Uh, before that, I lived uh, more in your area there, right? Born oh, in is Simcoe, that right? Born in Simcoe Hospital, right? So. That's right. I remember John mentioning that. So yeah. uh, just so we can play a bit of the Mennonite game, do you remember Carlos Peters? Carlos. Okay. So he was, okay. So I was kind of around the same group John was right with Superman, you know, Jake Dreger, um, that kind of group. I know John mentioned it as well, but basically they hung out with Carlos and that kind of that group of people there for a bit, but that was after I had moved or right before we had moved. So I met Carlos, but I never got to know him. Like he probably wouldn't even remember me. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I know he remembered your brother. So that's why I asked. He's he's my brother-in-law now. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You married cool, my wife's world, youngest eh? sister. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure if we played this game for a little longer, we'd find all kinds of connections. Yeah. My, yeah. my brother well, my Aaron friend. lives yeah. in Leamington, right? He's a fairly familiar face out there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that was my biggest question too when I first heard about you and you know John Geese right introduced me to you. Hey, you gotta check out this guy's YouTube channel, right? And uh, so I, I did, and I'm like, man, I wonder if it's the same blot. I don't know many blotses, right? And, and it's not it's not a very common name. It's not like Fair or something, you no, know. No, that's right. Uh, yeah. And and so I was like, I wonder if it's you know some sort of relations to Aaron, you know, because all this year I remember him as a principal. He even took me to work a few times, right? He had he had his boys working on a field. And uh, my cousin, Rick, he picked up my cousin, Ricky Bolt and, you know, Leamington, Ontario. There. He picked him up for work and he picked me up for work. And we went all work to work together. Right. As, well, as, you as young. Yeah. Young teens. Right. So um, I know Aaron quite well. Yeah. That's cool. So. Yeah. So there we go. Now we got a connection point. There you go. Right. <laughs> nice. So you, you were born. You remember uh, the uh, Simcoe area quite well then when you were a kid? Yeah. So I wouldn't know like my way around there, like directions and stuff like that. Just just don't. Most kids go don't, well, yeah. but uh, I, I would definitely know uh, some people there, like more cousins and stuff. Because I didn't really start getting out and hanging out with my friends until we moved to the Leamington area. Um, when we were still in the Elmer area, there it was more just you know go where my parents go, right? Yeah, for um, sure. I was only ten. I was only ten years old, right? So um, in school, though, I know quite a bit of people from school there, right? Walsingham School is where we went, the Old Colony Christian School there. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're ten years younger than I am, so it's. Uh just a little bit behind me that way okay but, uh, so growing up here then in the 90s probably right 90s and then you must have moved to leamington in, in the early 2000s yep you got that right yep okay yeah my uh, i got a little brother my youngest brother is actually almost exactly 10 years younger than me so he's he's your age he turned 30 this year as well so okay i don't think i've met any of aaron's other brothers so it wouldn't be right. yours not either, likely right? to that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So okay. what what, uh, what was it like then as a child growing up here? Do you, th- do you remember that clearly or is it kind of fuzzy? You know what? It was it was so fuzzy. Like it was just, you know, we would, I remember the school a little bit. Um, well, quite a bit, the school there. Um, but it seemed like everything started to, the stuff I remember the most is after we moved um, from the Elmer area there. There's not a whole lot that I can say like, um, like I said, because I wasn't independent as much, right? It was so yeah. much just follow the parents around, right? We never grew up like my parents weren't like um, very, they hung out with a certain select few people, but we weren't very outgoing. We didn't go on trips. We didn't do anything like that, right? Um, and we moved to Leamington and, you know, I met, you know, some people there. And uh, I, was the, I was the brother that always followed my older brothers around, right? I never had my own friends, right? Okay. Uh, I had a few of them in school and different things, right? But um, you know, I was following John around, right? And we, uh, you know, he had friends and all of a sudden, uh, you know, obviously they had younger brothers too, right? But it was just basically me and John were together quite a bit and we had similar friends, but yet it always, you know, looked how like much older, how much around. older is he than you? About a year and 10 months. Yeah. Okay. Cause well, so just a year and nine months, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. Just about two years. So. So your family was hard, like pretty hardcore old colony. Then I know for myself, we were we were very strict old colony, and I went to old colony school just for like a year and a half. But I remember in there we had to learn Bible stories and all that kind of stuff. Was was the idea and concept of God pretty real to you, or was it just that's just what we do, just because we're Mennonites? Yeah, absolutely, it's just what we do. You know, like Mennonites are the chosen people, right? And uh, we uh, you're you're not you're either Mennonite or you're going to hell, right? And even as a Mennonite, you know, there's a there's such a small chance that it's funny yeah. because I don't know with that mindset, I don't know why I was so motivated to still try and do good with, in that sense, my mindset was like the chance of me getting into heaven are so slim because this is going to sound crazy to you, but um, I don't even know where I heard it. If it was from my mom or someone else, but there was this thing that went around. like, there's going to be very few people in heaven. I think it was like less than 20 people, right? Like it was going to be like, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm competing with the world, you know? And uh, I think I'm already out. Like seven. Yeah, I think the number was like seven or something, you know? And so I grew up thinking that, right? Really? And uh, just old colony, hardcore old colony, but yet we weren't very big churchgoers, right? We'd often stay home, but yet, you know, we, as long as we belong to old colony church, right? You go to the couple main services and you're good to go, right? Then so. you at least have a hope, right? Some chance of going. Yeah. I know I have friends yeah. that go to the, uh, or that came from the Dutch Reform community here close to, to Tilsenburg in Norwich. 
and they're way more strict in some ways than old colony is like they have really hardcore theology you've probably heard of calvinism and they're like Absolutely. calvinist to the extreme it's it's like ridiculous they would be what you would consider hyper calvinist the, okay yeah. by far the majority of them they got a group of like 2000 plus people by far the majority of them would say that they are not christian but they're coming to the place where if god is going to choose somebody it might just be in their congregation, right? So they yeah. baptize their kids at eight days old and they uh, they try to make sure that they keep, you know, staying right and doing good and all that kind of stuff. But it has no merit, has no bearing. And maybe six or eight people will go up to take part in communion. The rest of the people all just sit in their seats when communion takes place because they know they're not saved. Not like yeah, Old Colony yeah. where everybody goes and partakes even though they know they have no clue if they're saved or not. At that church, it's just the opposite. They sit there and they won't take communion because they know they're not saved. And it's it's a very strange way of looking at it, right? That's very interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. It's, it's, it's similar, but yet so different, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So then you're at 10 years old or so, you guys moved to Leamington. Then you guys went straight to the old colony school there as well, where Aaron was principal? Yeah, yeah. We went to Wheatley, yeah. So we went to the so, Wheatley one there. It was right close by. and Yeah, you betcha. And it was, you know, we were... It was, it was definitely a struggle because, um, they, you know, even the schooling system, I, I was a complete rebel. Um, I know, um, yeah, Aaron, Aaron doesn't, I don't, in school himself, you know, he probably has a terrible uh, view of me, right, uh, from school. But I'm, I'm glad we got to spend a little bit of time after school, you know. Yeah, um, you sure. know, But uh, it, it was, uh, and it just, I, I, they were a little bit ahead in their books, right? We used the same curriculum, right? It was the same, uh, I forget what the CLP or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Light Publications, there you go, something like That's that. Right. But anyways, they use the same books and everything. And but they were in Wheatley, they were a few months ahead or a couple months, whatever ahead. So now I had to we moved, so everything's new to me, right? New friends, new everything. And I had to, you know, stay and catch up. So instead of going outside in recess time and playing with the kids or meeting new people, I had to stay inside oh, and catch up on my schoolwork, right? So I just turned out to be a complete rebel, right? It was um so school never it, it I, I hated it because it was, it was, it, I, I don't know. It was, it, I just followed footsteps of, that's what I did, right? You just, um, you drop out early, right? It, it seemed to, it seemed to be a trend in our family as well. Um, you know, John mentioned as well, you know, drop out of six. I went one extra year. So I was, as long as I'm a little bit of like great grade, him, right? so grade six. Age, yeah. So I dropped out of grade seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you're only like 14 common. years old, 13 years old, maybe. Oh, full-time job at 13, 14, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. But yeah, by that time, so, yeah. you had already learned to read and write fairly well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew the basics of math. Math was always my favorite subject. And I figured, you know, as long as I know numbers, I'll be good to go, right? So There you go. <laughs> well, you know, I honestly, I know at least three or four guys who graduated high school. They went to public school, but they graduated high school, and they say that they literally could not read at graduation. And they became Christians and learned to read by trying to read the Bible. And it was just because they, the, the teachers just kind of pushed them through. Like, yeah, you, I mean, we don't want to keep you here forever. So we're just going to keep moving you along. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 So, no, and, and it, it never went really well. And even like I mentioned to the guys, I had to play catch up and stuff because of that. I also failed that year. That's what I was going to, that's what I was going to bring up as well. So I failed that year, grade four. And so that helped me back a year as well. So now next year, everyone I was in class with, got to move forward and I had yeah. to redo that year. It was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. I, that was one of the big downfalls of the old colony school. I found sometimes they would have like 12, age 12 kids in down in kindergarten or something like that. And they were yeah, like these yeah. huge kids being totally embarrassed by all their peers. And it was, uh, yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but they didn't know how else to catch them up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. hated so school and you just made trouble, tried to catch attention, maybe goofing off. Absolutely. If you know, if the, if the class, if I could make the class laugh, yeah. it doesn't matter the punishment. It was worth it. Yeah, that was me a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know. And I look back now, and I'm like, that was terrible, you know. And I look back at some of the things I rebelled against, and I'm like, they were doing what they had to do, right? Yeah. But I, I just didn't understand it, right? So, were there consequences for this kind of behavior at home, or did your parents not care if you, you know, disobeyed the principal or the teacher or anything like that? Well. No, they didn't. They didn't get to hear about it a lot, right? And there was times, you know, Aaron would I'd sit in his office and he would he'd make threats like that, right? Like, you know, and one time he threatened to spank me, right? 
And uh, so he's like, I'm going to call your parents and ask for permission. And I'm like, oh, no, you won't, right? So I get home from school, and I'm like, hey, mom, you, if you get a call from the principal and asking this, just say no, you know? <laughs> and she's like, no way. If you deserve it, Frank, I'm telling him to do it, right? Oh, boy. And uh, But it was it was part of me knew it was an empty threat. Like, I hadn't. I had heard rumors that somebody might have gotten spanked, you know, sometime in history, but I'm like, no, they wouldn't actually do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of me knew it was an empty threat, but that little part of me was like, oh boy, that Sometimes would be that's humiliating. Enough. That would be, yeah. <laughs> and then you yeah. might get double, right? Your parents might yeah. feel this, uh, like that was a shame for them as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, half the, over half the stuff that went on in school, like, they wouldn't even hear about it, right? Like, it wouldn't, They yeah, they never knew how bad it actually was, right? Okay. So... So then you started working full time at 13 and then you're off in the bunch too, hanging out with the youth and that kind of thing on weekends and that the trouble just kind of continued. Did you get pretty rebellious or no? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, it was, it was, it was a little bit different in Ontario there because, you know, I always felt like I was a nobody. Right? I had very low self-esteem. Like I literally thought I was like the bottom of the pool. Like I had so little confidence in myself. And uh, I think part of it was because, you know, I was always, I'll, you want to be, I'm second youngest, right? So there's John and there's me and I have a younger sister, Lisa. And, uh, but because I was, you know, there's six older than me, I always felt like I was pushed aside, right? And so I, I kept that mindset throughout even, even when we'd go to the parties, I'd go with John or go with someone else. And I would stand in the corner, not dare myself to talk anyone, to anyone, mm. right? And I was like, the, I, was, I would sit there and drink by myself or, you know, it was, it was weird. Like I never even dared myself to talk to anyone, even though, you know, I was looking at these different people and I'm like, Oh, I should go talk to this person, talk to that person. But I never could do it. And it was like, um, and when our parents moved here to Alberta, I was around 14. And so uh, and then I was like, you know what, this is time to make a new start. Right. Hmm. And so I had right away met a friend out here and we were hanging out and, uh, we went to the parties and stuff. And, I met some people there and right away, I guess I hit it off. I guess I said the right things or I guess I was, you know, just out of my mind enough to make a few people laugh and stuff. And right away the next weekend, everyone's like, Hey, where's Frank? What are you doing? What are you up to? You know? So right away I felt this boost of confidence, right? It was right away. So it was like, we moved to Alberta and like a month or two later, I was a completely different person. Interesting. And and not, not in a good way. I wouldn't see necessarily a good thing. Like yes, I had more self-worth, but at the same time, it just got me to have more confidence to do more evil. Right. Interesting. And, and, and have other people stand by me while I do it. Right. Yeah. Because it's actually what made you accept it. It's what made you cool and, and uh, someone yeah. that people wanted to be with. Right. And I think that's yeah. probably the case for most uh, rebellious teens as they especially like you said, in school, you were kind of the class clown and making people laugh and whatever else. So you had some confidence then. But then you move up into the ranks with your older brothers and then you feel like I better not say anything or else I'm going to get made fun of. And then you move to. Alberta and you you know you say the right things the first time around and before you know it you're you're one of the cool kids right yeah then, absolutely then you can build on that yeah absolutely because you know in Ontario there I had the older brothers and I was with his friends right and then I get to Alberta well now I'm the oldest one in the family right and, and so it's, just, it's 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 different right people don't know me as John's little brother oh yeah right when, when you know I wouldn't always beg John hey John can I come with you today you know he'd go hang out on a Wednesday night he'd walk over you know a few neighbors down and there'd be he'd he had to have some friends there and i'd be like john can i come with you today no not today frank you know but it was always like it was up to john whether i could go hang out or not okay. you know what i mean yeah what it did to me right and so when i was out here it's like hey i'm my own person now right so so john didn't immediately move with you guys no so he was dating uh eva which now is his wife Okay. And so they were getting pretty serious. So he stayed down there for an extra. Well, they were married and everything right by the time they moved down. Right. So it oh, was wow. for quite a few years where I didn't uh, didn't hang out with him besides, you know, if I'd go there for vacation or whatever. Right. Yeah, so. I see. So how much different is it from uh, Leamington area to to southern Alberta like that, where like the old colony system and stuff? It seems like they, they, they are quite a bit different. eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the old colony here is like. So far, you, you say, you know, like the way the Mennonites always say is Vida Tre, right? Okay. Very they're, held they're, back. They're, like, they're way, like, I mean, they have no liens on their benches. Is that like, right? Dude, recently they got, like, I heard some of the churches got uh, air conditions in their church. And that was a huge deal. Like, I mean, like, it went through meeting after meeting and people were talking about it. And, like, um, but yeah, no liens. They do, like, long beasts, like, zing. Like, is that uh, right? Long beasts. Oh, and the, yeah, the preachers like, still wear the Steivlin, the big, long, tall boots? Oh, yeah, man. They look like, like soldiers. 
Yeah, and the, and the singing is, is crazy. Like, you'd, you'd try and follow along, eh? And I can't, it's so, it's so slow that I could not follow along. And yeah. I can read high German. I can read high German. Yeah. I could not follow. Often I'd be like, we must be in a second verse by now. Nope, we just started <laughs> the second line. You know, like it's, I don't know. Have you ever heard that? I've only ever heard it a time or two on like uh, a recording. I, we should maybe pull up a video sometime and show people how slow it is, but it's incredible. Yeah, I, it, it's unreal. I, I literally couldn't follow along. Like it's, it felt like it was never going to end. But yeah, so, you know, you look at stuff like that and it's, it's, it's Vita today, you know, yeah, yeah. In, in, in that sense, right? They were trying to stay more uh, away from modern things so that they wouldn't get caught up and become liberal and free like the people in Ontario, right? Yeah, so even though it was so different, right? So I was like, but in my mind, I'm like, no, no, you know, my parents said, you know, you have to be old colony, right? Like old mm -hmm. colony, that's where it's at, right? And uh, I remember having a conversation actually with our pastor, uh, John Giesbrecht, right? You had an interview with him as well. Yep. John, Gies, we were we hung out a little bit out here as well. You know, they moved down here before my brother John actually did. And okay. so me and John actually went to a few bunches and stuff together as well. But I remember it was funny because we were like, we were being totally rebellious. That, that wasn't funny part, but what comes after. But so we were, we were being rebellious and we had this conversation about church, right? And John asked me, he's always been blunt, right? And he's like, Frank, so when you get married, where are you, you going to stay old colony? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Because I would hear there was a church that was called Zamafalda. Okay. And they were very much like you guys of Old Colony. Like, I looked at them as, like, the way they sing, the way they dress, the way, like, everything was, like, very similar. Okay. And so I'm like, no, I'm probably going to go to Zamafalda, right? And uh, he's like, no, no, Frank, you got to go Old Colony. He's like, you have, like, it's, you know, no <laughs> way. Like, and he looked at me like, it's funny because we were, I think we were on our way to a party or on our way back for a party. Something, something right. we weren't supposed to be doing. But yet he was judging me because I wasn't going to get married to Old Colony, in the, right? In like, the future, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because he actually convicted me. That's why I'm bringing it up. I'm like, man, I wonder if he's onto something. Like, is this something that, you know, maybe he's right, you know? <laughs> it's interesting when religion takes over like that and you're raised in like very deep or steep religion, you can get away with all kinds of personal sins because you don't really have much hope for salvation anyway. But if there is any hope, it is in this system. And so even yep. a slight variation of the same system, like Old Colony to Zamafelda is almost no different. There might mm -hmm. be a slight difference in the clothing style. Like here in Ontario, neither of them sing long of ease. They both have the preachers all sitting up front. They have the singers all sitting yep. up front. They all wear black. They wear the same dikya for the women and the dresses. It's all the same. But they'll still be like, oh, no, we're better than them because we don't do this one thing or they yeah. do this a little bit strange. And they have no emphasis on God, no emphasis on Christ, no hope in Christ's death, burial, resurrection. It's all just we do it this way and this is how it should be done, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely, right? So, And it's, it's just funny how that works. It's like they're all judging each other, but at the same time, it's like what the part that really matters, what, you know, relying, putting your hope and trust in Jesus that's not part of the conversation whether who's right or not it's no. what you're wearing what you're doing and all that stuff right that's right yeah yeah so then you were uh, part of this uh church there you're sitting no air conditioning no lean on the benches you know did you Without, do sun sunday school out there or you would have just been in church service then i would have been in church service and so so what that was where my parents went right oh colony but me so my older sister went to uh zama father right okay and so i kind of went that direction with them to Zomafal that my parents were okay with it because it was so similar to the old colony over there. So they were okay with me going there, but they were still like, no, we got to go old colony. Because they were members at old colony. Yeah, right? well, they had... my uncle is the Altasta there. Oh, right? is that right? Yeah, for Southern Alberta. Like he's, he's, uh, he's the Altasta actually at the old colony here. So he's my uncle. Oh, so boy. my parents looked up to him like crazy, right? And uh, so they're like, no, no, we can't do that because both are indicting, right? Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, and I was, they held me at really high standards out here because, you know, because I had to now compete with my cousins or they wanted me, they always encouraged me to go hang out with my cousin Ricky, which is also in our church. Now he's a deacon at our church, but um, they encouraged me to go hang out with him because that's, that's the Althusser's son, you know, like okay. he's going to be a good example on me. You know, I won't go party and stuff as much. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, look, I'm no worse than all the other teenagers, right? Like, this is just what we do as Mennonites, right? We, you know, you get to the teenage year and it's not about should you party or not. It's, hey, am I of that age yet? You know, so some, some people would start at 13, 14, some would have to wait till 15. But, you know, at 14, 15, that was just the general thing, you know, and, and we just, you just go to parties. That's what you do. What else do you do on a Sunday, right? Is that right? Um, 
So that, that's just that Would you say that that was pretty much across the board? Like teenagers pretty much all partied and drank and did things like that? From from everyone that I knew, yeah. Like it really? was even like some relatives and it was um, friends and different people. Like it was, it was almost like, wait, what do you do on a Sunday if you don't go party? You know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know if it was just my group of people. Like, I, you know, but I know there's a lot of Mennonites that were like that, right? We'd be standing outside a church and planning where we're going to go party, you know? Interesting. Um, and it's just because that's what we did. But it was funny because the thought of death scared the daylights out of me. Like, I remember thinking like, okay, my older sibling, someone got baptized at 18, right? So I'm like, you got to be baptized, right? Because that, well, that's that's what's going to clean all these sins away. Because I'm already right. I'm already like too far gone, right? So my only hope now yet is if I can make it until I'm 18, if I can not die <laughs> until I'm 18, and then I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, the day I turn 18, I'm getting baptized because I'm not risking this any longer. Like, I do not want to go to hell, right? So I'm like, if I can just, as soon as possible, if I can find a girlfriend early and I can get baptized <laughs> and married early, I am good to go. If right? I can get a girlfriend, like, I'll get baptized so I can get married. Absolutely. Right? Because <laughs> you wouldn't get baptized by yourself, right? No. So you need a girlfriend, right? A single person doesn't get baptized. <laughs> So in my mind, I was like, that is my only hope is if I can make it till I'm 18 years old, the day I turn 18, I'm getting baptized like as soon as I can. And it was just because um, the washing away of sin from the water, right? From the, from the drops in your head, right? Yeah. And uh, that was going to, I was going to wash it away. And that was my only hope growing up, you know, because what seven people in heaven, right? So I'm like, okay, so I'm comparing myself and, you know, our whole family, we all looked at my grandma um, on my mom's side. We looked at her as a saint, right? She okay. was like the nicest woman, right? She was just like, just an awesome woman, right? And we're like, hey, look, she's definitely one of them, right? She so now there's only like six spots left, right? <laughs> Where'd you get this idea right? of seven? Do you remember? I don't know. I've I, never I, heard I, that. I try to think back sometimes. I'm like, oh, there were so many crazy ideas I had, right? Yeah. Um, but it was like, okay, so grandma's one of them, right? And I'm like, so, and I'm, comp- I'm looking at like people around me. I'm like, Dude, I got some high standards if I want to be one of them, right? And uh, it's just interesting because I remember even asking a question. We're sitting in the living room, me and a few of my brothers and sisters, and the late evening, you know, when you kind of start thinking about stuff. And I'm like, hey, I got a question, guys. And I, I must have been like 12. And I'm like, okay, so how – because nobody's perfect, right? And everyone agreed. And so, so how many sins are we allowed to have? To make it into heaven because now i was already starting to see that if i could count my sins right and this is 12 so this is when we were still in ontario okay and so in my mind i'm like okay well have i crossed that line yet where i've already done too many because then i might as well stop trying so i'm like how many sins can i have before god will reject me hmm. and nobody could answer it right i'm like hmm one day i'll have to find that answer because i hope i haven't crossed it yet you know what well, I mean? The, the funny thing is, is now that we know grace and we know forgiveness, we know the answer is one. How many sins is too much to enter God's presence? One. Like you Ups, break yeah. one commandment, you've broken yeah. the whole thing and you're damned, right? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. isn't this isn't me trying to tell like 12 year olds that if you disobey your parents once, you're going to hell. Like, But I mean, a serious sin, you have broken the law of God. You've you've understood who God is. You recognize that you are responsible before him and then you decide to disobey God anyway, then you have broken the laws of God and you're, you're guilty, yeah. right? Yeah. And there, and like there you, has to be restitution made. Yeah. And like you said, like a big sin, like, well, big to, to whose standards, right? right? Are you comparing yourself? Like, so, you know, for me, I, my thing was comparing myself to people around me, right? Hey, Maybe I'm not is, so bad. This, this is what we do, you know? Like, hey, at least I don't, hey, that brings me back to, at least my thing was always, at least I'm not doing drugs, right? Okay. I was, I was heavy into the alcohol, but in my mind, I was always still one step ahead because I wasn't doing drugs. Yeah. For me, it was even, I didn't do alcohol or drugs or any of that kind of stuff, no smoking or anything. But for me, it was like, I listened to country music, which is, you know, I know it's secular and you probably shouldn't listen to it, but at least I don't listen to rock and roll. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So there's always someone, you can always find someone worse than you to justify it, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's what religion will do. Yeah. So you turned 18, you found yourself a girl or what? Oh man, I was younger. I was married at 18. I followed my plan, Dan. No I followed way. Followed my plan. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. So we, I met her when I was 16, and we um, right away hit it off, and we were like, you know, things were going good, 
and we were both religious though, right? But her was more of a, she wasn't like super religious. Her parents didn't like, she never really went to church or nothing much. They weren't like super religious, but they weren't saved either. They were kind of just like, I don't know what you'd call that, but. She grew up old colony though? Uh, Rhinelander. Okay. Right. But not like you guys as a new Rhinelander. It would be more like the Rhinelander here again. It's very similar to you guys as old well, colony. My, my wife grew up with Rhineland here as well, not the new Rhineland. And she was okay. very similar. Old colony and Rhineland were very similar in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah, so even our Rylands over here is very similar to you guys' little colony, right? There'll be a couple of preachers that will preach a little bit of salvation, but more only in the recent years, more, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the, her parents were kind of never really accepted in the church. Like her parents had a divorce and stuff. Oh, and wow. so they were they were never accepted in a church anywhere. So they're always kind of cast aside, cast at a church. Like you're not accepted, you're not welcome. And so, of course, the kids then follow that too, right? Um, so she kind of just followed my lead, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, it's funny, we were, we were dating. And uh, I went to Ontario to go to John's. No, this is before John's wedding. This is the first time I went to Ontario for vacation after we had moved. And, you know, I was, I was still expecting the same John, right? Like, okay. oh, yeah, we're going to go. John's going to take me to these parties. And I heard, like, he was getting popular out there, you know, and he had, you know, this sweet car. So I don't know if it's still a thing in Ontario for the young guys, but, like, back then, if you had a five-speed manual car and some subs in the back, oh, you yeah. were cool. You were yeah, I think things have right? changed, but that was the thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you're saying I'm not going to catch you doing that? I'm just kidding. So basically, uh, John, and John was that, right? I heard he bought this like cool Cavalier, you know, it was, had like a body <laughs> kit on it. And he had some subs. And we were just like, hey, that was cool, right? Yeah. You, you drove a Cavalier and it was a manual and you had some subs. You were good, right? And so I'm, I was excited. I was pumped, right? I'm like, oh, we're going to have such a good time. We're going to go to parties together and all this stuff, right? And I show up there. And we're like, I was gonna meet John. We were at the, they were at the one beach. I forget what beach it was, but anyways, we we're gonna meet at this one beach. And uh, from there, I was just gonna go with John home, and he's gonna like we were just meeting up after years of not seeing each other, right? And we get in his car, and he's listening to gospel music. Oh, I was boy. like, what? Is oh this? boy, I want a dance yeah. mix or something, eh? Yeah, right. And uh, so I was just like okay, this can't be happening. You're playing a joke on me, right? He was listening to like Amos Raber, the Waldners, like, I mean, some like hardcore <laughs> gospel music, right? Stuff mom listened to at home, like, you know? And uh, I was like, what? Like, what's going on here? I was so confused, but I was so upset, right? Because I'm like, this, this vacation is going to absolutely be terrible, right? And um, sure enough, all I wanted to do is go to, you know, we'd go play volleyball or something. And afterwards, they'd have a Bible study. And I'm like, Guys, seriously, like every evening, like what is this, right? And I I'd always like make excuses, like, hey, I got plans today. I can't, I can't join you guys today. I had no plans, like, right. right. So I'd sit at my other brother's house and just sit there and do nothing instead of join him for their Bible studies, right? It was um, just uncomfortable or just awkward or what? Well, I had gotten a heads up that he might be fadrat, right? Yes. Um, my mom's like, gave me a bunch of heads up right before we went to like, hey, blows all Paulson, you know, like John, he's, you know, he's, he's. Twisted, he's, right? he's talking that, he's right? talking jesus and stuff right yeah and, and he thinks he knows where he's going when he dies he thinks like he's he's gone over the deep end right i'm like oh man so i kind of suspected it but i wasn't sure it was just weird when i got there and i seen it right yeah um but i was so dis i called my wife my my wife now but at that time my girlfriend i called her and i'm like this this is terrible i'm not having a good time i can't wait till i can come back to alberta like John, John is so lame nowadays, you know, and I was complaining oh, about her on the, on, on the phone, right? And, um, but he said something to me that really, really hit me that actually was a big part of what changed me to become religious out of the partying and more religious. Okay. Right. So we were cruising around in his Cavalier, right? And uh, he's like, Frank, I had a dream and you were in hell. Oh, boy. And right away, that, I was mad. I'm like, you think you're so much better than me and what you were sitting with God and what I was, I was burning in hell. Like, are you kidding? Like why? Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I couldn't shake that, that thought of, you know, he's like, Frank, I don't want to talk. I don't want to ruin the moment. I don't want to like, you know, I'm having a hard time bringing this across to you, but I have to share it with you. And that's what he said. Like, you know, you were burning in hell. Right. And I couldn't, I'm like, what is this? Right. But that only drove me to be more religious. Right, so when I got back to Alberta, you know, obviously I was fired up with religion, right? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all my music. My thing has always really? been music. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we got back. It wasn't right after, but it was shortly. I would say a couple so something, weeks So something about spending time with him and the Bible studies and then his comment, something about that made you think, yeah, you know what? I, he's probably right. I should get more religious. I should be a better yeah. person. Interesting. Yeah, I should be a better person is what I got out of it, right? Yeah. And, uh, but you know, cause it was weird because every time he would give me scripture on something, you know, for salvation, I'd like, nope, but mom says this. So he'd give me what God said and I'd give him what mom said. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so when I got back out here and I told Lisa, I said, Lisa, I think I want to get baptized. Eh? And she said, same thing. She was on board. And I was fired up. My girlfriend's on board. This is, this is following the plan completely. Right. We can, uh, we can do this thing by 18. Right. And, uh, hmm. and I'm just like, so my thing was like music was like everyone back then, you know, people use CDs. Right. Yep. And, uh, those are round disc shaped yeah. things that you slide into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for all the people who don't know what we're talking about, right? Um, and so when people out here for party music, for anything, when they needed a CD burnt, they knew to come to me. Okay. Like I was I was the go-to. I, I You could buy those big packs of discs. Yeah. There, were, there was like 100 in there. I went through those like monthly, Whoa. right? Yeah, and it, it was crazy. But So I was known for that, and I love music. Like it was it was a huge thing of mine, right? So And I told John that. I said, John, I got 14,000 songs in my computer right now, right? And he's like, and I'm like, that's going to be way too hard to get rid of that. Like, you expect me to just delete everything. You know how long it's taken me to accumulate that? How many hours I've spent downloading the, that music? And he's like, Frank, the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. Oh, boy. Right? And I'm like, oh, you had to say that, right? <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, but I did. I deleted it all. And, you know, my wife and I, we were, we were cruising in my car and had a sunroof and we were chucking CDs out the sunroof, right? Oh, I'm, not, I'm not promoting littering just so everyone knows, but you know, if we're throwing these CDs out like, and we felt good. We are like, Oh man, like this, you know, one step closer to grandma. Right. And, uh, I thought, man, this is awesome. You know, this is the track we're supposed to be. And I felt good about myself and, and we were just doing this thing together and we got super religious. Right. So, so you went ahead with the baptism and all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause the thing was this is, you know, I heard even my older sister at the time say, you know, when you get baptized, it's the greatest feeling in the world. You know, like, that water comes on you, it's like, and you know at that moment, you are clean. Yeah. Like, there is nothing on your account. Not a thing. Like, you, I was seriously, I think, I'm not going to say it for certain. I know I thought about it multiple times, but I might have even prayed, like, God, please kill me right after. Huh. Like, I want to die right there and then while I'm still on my That's knees. how like, much emphasis you placed on that baptism, thinking that that would be what would clean you up. That was my only chance. That was hmm. the only way, right? So... I was always familiar there was a God, but if I could have, and it's weird because I didn't get that feeling that everyone talked about at baptism, you know, mm. like I, I went home and I still felt like a rotten sinner. Like it was, it was disappointing. Yeah. I right? remember and my, of course my mom years later, because I recognized that I was not born again when I got baptized, she said things like, but I, I, I was there and I felt the spirit in the room and I, I know, you know, God was in that thing. I'm like, but I was still just as sinful as ever. I wasn't trusting Christ. I wasn't, my hope was not in him at all. I was just doing the thing I needed to do, right? So it's amazing to me too that you, you know, some people will get this, this shivers up their spine maybe or some sensation when the water goes over their head and they make some kind of spiritual or emotional connection to who they think God is and then they get a little bit of relief in their conscience. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's crazy, right? And you're, I remember like waiting there, you know, you're about to, about to get the water and, you know, I'm just thinking that now's, now's the time, now's the time. But I didn't feel that. Like you said too, like it was like you would hear like it's like you could feel the spirit or you could feel, you get this like cool feeling, you know, and yeah. it's just like I didn't get that, you know, but but it didn't discourage me to keep being religious, right? So my wife and I, we got we got married and, and that's all my father church and, you know, I ended up teaching a Sunday school class there and. You know, it was, uh, but that, that time I was already, you know, starting to open up because what, what happened was, so John wouldn't leave me alone, right? He even had to move here to still drill it in me, right? <laughs> and so he moved here actually a while after we got married. And uh, first thing he says is, Frank, where's uh, where's a good Bible study? What, 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 day, what day do you guys do your Bible studies? What, what are we doing? Like, in my mind, I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? We got church Sunday mornings. Like, what, what more do you want, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, Frank, you got to have a study he's like dude if i can't find a good bible study here i'm going back to ontario wow he was so determined no no like him living here was not worth it if he couldn't find a good bible study right and i'm yeah. like what like 
dude, like we haven't seen each other in so long. Aren't you just excited to be here? And, and first, the first evening I seen him, where's a good Bible study, right? Hmm. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he was going through, you know, I'm gonna, I don't know how much I want to share. It's gonna be up to him how much, but like he was going through crazy financial stress. Like, I mean, like, um, the stress that he was like in my eyes, I'm like, dude, how are you not depressed? The stuff he was going through. He moved here with just enough money for fuel to get here, and that's it. Living in my parents' basement, they took his vehicle away. He was using my little beater car, but that was all okay. He was the happiest guy I knew. Wow. Like. And it was like nothing could nothing could tear him down. You know, all of a sudden, Eva would call him while he's at work and say, hey, John, they're coming to pick up the vehicle today because we haven't been making payments. Like, okay, sounds good. Yeah, just empty out the glove compartment, blah, 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 whatever, right? Like, no worries. Like, dude, <laughs> like, dude, I'm like, John, like, I would be so stressed out. I'd be so depressed. Like, what is wrong? Like, and, and I just knew there was something different, right? And, right. and of course, it was all, it's just a piece of Jesus and knowing that, hey, this is earthly stuff, right? And of course, we, you know, we all get caught up in it here and there, but, you know, he was... He was like, he couldn't care less about anything and else. So, so was he, he was sharing the gospel with you at this time already then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So in Ontario, it was more just about, you know, the only thing I got out of it then was when I went to on vacation there was that he was just, you know, you're a sinner. You're, you know, I had a dream you're in hell, that type of thing. Right. right. Stop being But then bad. when he moved here, then when he moved here, you know, I was a little more open to it at that point, but I was, I didn't understand salvation at all. Right. So he came out here and he started a Bible study and I naturally just, well, hey, I got, I'm going to be a part of this thing, right? Like, or else John's going to be on, on me, you know, like, Frank, what's wrong? You know, so I don't want to be embarrassed either, right? So I just kind of played the game, hmm. right? And went to these Bible studies and started to learn more. And it was very eye-opening just to see the difference in him. I think that's the biggest thing that helped me was to see, because I knew John as a crazy temper. Back in the day, crazy temper, right? And and I know I'm talking a lot about John. I know, but it's just... Hey, it's, it's, it's a big part a big of your impact, story. Right? And, and, you know, I remember a time when he smashed my head through a door. Like, I, I was down there, like I mentioned, right? Yeah. He took my head and smashed it through a door. He had a temper, a very, very bad temper, and we knew it, so we took advantage of it, right? So now he comes to Alberta, and he's going through all this stuff where I'm looking at as, like, dude, your life's a disaster, and he's just happy. I'm like, wow. what? How? Right? And he like, he was married then already, too? Yeah, yeah. He had one, he had one uh, son as well, and I had one son. And, uh, you know, so we were just young families, and... Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just seen the life in him, like what, what's gotten into you. Right. And that of course got me curious and searching and stuff as well. Right? So did he find a Bible study out there or did he start something? He started one. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't find one. Yeah, you gotta start like, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can start one quicker than we can find one. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Do you remember what, uh, books you went through or what kind of studies you were doing? We did a lot of Romans. Romans has always been John's go-to go. book. Yeah. Romans is, and now it's till this day too. Like, Romans is, is all, if I'm, if I'm going to be, you know, speaking to someone, uh, an, an atheist or, you know, someone who claims to not know Christ, like I, I tend to go to Romans because of how much it's helped me. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then for someone who's, you know, going slipping back into religion and stuff like that, you know, Galatians, right. So we went through a lot of Romans and Galatians, right. Galatians, a lot to do with, you know, works and going back to the law and stuff like that yeah. too. Right. And so Romans and Galatians are, kind of my go-to books now as well and i think it's because how much it impacted me right yeah for sure so was there a moment as you were studying through these books or going to these studies where it finally kind of clicked or was it kind of just a gradual thing where you your eyes were slowly opened up to it so mine i can't pinpoint a time and i'll, I'll tell you dan that has been in my early years of you know when i first got saved it was my biggest struggle, right? Mm. Because you you hear people talking about, hey, if you don't know a date and a time, you're lost, right? right. If you don't know, like, if you don't know, then go and get saved, you know, pray the prayer right. again, you know? Go do it again. And uh, put, put a stick in the ground, put a date on it. So next time you're tempted, you can go back at that stick and say, nope, <laughs> this is when I got saved, right? And it wasn't, I struggled with that so hard. Like, it was, it was the biggest thing because I was expecting, you know, I was hoping for this, like, day and night moment, you know? And an event, and this is crazy because as I learned, I was obviously I was excited and I was fired up, and I'm like, yes, this is awesome, right? And 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 it's at some point through there, I know I got saved, but it was just it's also new and exciting that I don't even know what day it was, right? Right. Um, but then later on, like it was, it's been, it took years, you know, all this doubting and stuff like that. Am I saved? Am I not? Because I don't have that moment that everyone talks about, right? But and, and now it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter if I was saved five years ago, six years ago. What matters is that I'm saved now. Right. Right. And so and when I started to 
you know, get over that. Like, hey, do I now believe? Do I trust Christ now? You know what? If, if I start to doubt, I'm going to look and check myself now. I'm not going to look back and say, what was I feeling seven years ago? Did I really trust God? That doesn't matter. It matters if I do now. Until yeah. I understood that, Dan, it was my biggest struggle because I didn't know the date and the time. I can see that. And I remember hearing people say too, you know, go put a stake in the ground, you know, put a stick somewhere, write a date yeah. on it. And then you can go back and point to that, to the devil and say, look, see that date right there? That was the day. But to me, it never, it never really made sense because I, I understood from the start, not, it was unclear sometimes to me too, but I never doubted where my salvation came from because there was a stick put in the ground that secures my salvation. It was an old rugged cross. And so if you yeah. need something to look back on to see, am I saved? Look back to that cross, because that's the only place, you know, in the book of Galatians, Paul says to the, to the Galatians who were nowhere near Jerusalem, he says that Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. And that's like, well, Jesus wasn't crucified in Galatia. How could he say that? But when the preaching of the gospel happens and you finally see in your mind's eye the cross of the Lord Jesus, you see his suffering, his death and his burial and resurrection, and it's like he's crucified right here. You know, you, you don't need to look back to an event in your life. You need to look back to the event in human history where Christ conquered sin, where he overcame the grave, where he ascended to heaven, right? So yeah. a glory and nothing save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So and it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, it happened. You know, what, what Jesus did happen, even me, like there was that point where it's like, where there was that transfer, okay, I'm on my way to hell and I'm on my way to heaven, right? There was a transfer, there was a point where, you know, it's changed, but whether I know exactly the point or not, I know what happened, mm -hmm. right? And and so that's, I, I had to understand that. And there's, I know there was so many more people that were struggling with that as well. And um, it just, it made, it made it tough. Every time that, that's what it seemed like Satan would use, right? And that was my biggest struggle. Yeah. Well, there there was a, a very large movement for many years, maybe even like 100 plus years where Christians adopted the idea that uh, you should lead someone in a sinner's prayer or that you should yep. uh, repent uh, at an altar call or something like that. And it, it kind of helped them in this regard, right? Because people were having so many doubts as to whether or not they were saved. So then they said, okay, let's make a point in time. Let's make a day in history. Let's call them to repentance right now. And if they get saved right now, then we can say, okay, remember you were there, you raised your hand or you went to the front or you prayed a certain prayer and it gives some kind of assurance to the person. But again, like we just talked about, your assurance then can often be in that event rather than in Christ himself. And that's, that's become a big problem. So you and I and your brother and John Giesbrecht, we've kind of stepped away from that and we just, we just preach the gospel. We just tell people what Christ has done and it will produce in somebody genuine true faith or it won't and it's not up to me to prod them to pro poke them and pro you know try to get them to do something but then sometimes it does lead to this kind of thing where well did i trust or didn't i well i've seen it before while i'm preaching the gospel all of a sudden you see somebody's eyes light up and they're like oh that's yeah. it and i'm like i don't i don't know for sure but i there's been a couple occasions where i've been right where i can look at somebody and say that person just got born again for the very first time, they are seeing Jesus for what he actually done, has done. They're seeing for who he is, and they're seeing him for what he's done, and they are rejoicing in it. So you don't need to pray a prayer or confess certain sins. And that, that's a misconception about confession and prayer and all that kind of stuff. Not that prayer and confession isn't important. Not that people maybe didn't get saved while they did those things. But it's ultimately, it's looking to Jesus, not the praying and the prayers and the confession and all that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, and, and I said a lot of those prayers, right. So uh, especially after a Bible study, it's all fired up and, you know, like, I, I felt like, you know, like I'm, yeah, I'm born again, you know, this is awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I'd come home though. And then the doubts would start. Right. And I'd be like, Lord, if I'm not already saved, you know, save me now. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and again, I just, you know, it's like, I wouldn't I'm like, just in case, you know, just in case, right? So I, those prayers, man, I said that so often, you know, and it's like thinking that if I wasn't saved, that prayer was going to save me, right? But it's the belief that led you to the prayer that would save you, right? And uh, and, and that's what it is, right? And we had like part of our Bible study was <clears throat> John's father-in-law, actually. He lives in Ontario there, Jake Friesen. Man, he was, he was a big impact as well because he was a big part of that Bible study, right? And he was always bold too. It's funny because I come home from Zama Fala and, you know, we do hang out. And this is when I was starting to open up already, right? Like I was starting to, okay, I'm open to the idea of it, right? 
Um, and I'd be like, you know, if, if, if the preacher could get everyone in church crying, man, that was a good church message, right? right. And, uh, you know, it's like, you're, you're even way back, right? My parents would come home and say, oh, yeah, Diffie and Panachuac, right? Diffie and Gouda, you know? And it's like, oh, everyone was crying, right? I'm like, that sounds like a terrible service, right? <laughs> no, but uh, but even now, same thing, right? So I'd come, I'd come home and I'd be like, uh, or we'd, we'd hang out, us, John and Eva, and, you know, his father-in-law, they lived out here for a bit. And uh, he'd, he'd always question me. He'd test me. Okay, well, what was it about? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, you, who remembers that, right? Right. And uh, I could never requote what the message was about, but I, I, I was so much trying to justify me going to the church because we'd go have these studies and they would look at me like, Frank, like, are you getting fed there? Are you getting spiritual food, right? And at right. the time it wasn't later, you know, the Alta Stadera got saved and things changed. But at that point, no, there was no gospel preached. It was works, right? But I was trying to justify myself going there. So I'd be like, oh, man, it was a good service today, right? Hmm. And he asked me, what's it about? Or we'd, we'd so much as sing a song. And he'd be like, do you mean that? Like, what do you mean? Do I mean what? What we just sang? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I can start paying attention to lyrics, you know? And uh, But he'd always test me. And that always got me to question myself, which was awesome because it was a huge part of the transformation i started to see the falseness and everything and the emptiness right and all the religion yep. like wait a minute they're singing these songs most of them don't even know what they're saying right L- like a lot of them can't even read the high german let alone understand it right and we we're still singing out of the black the schwarte is right that's right yep. and so you know here and there you can understand a few words but it just helped me open my eyes to like see wait a minute there's just, there's nothing here it's so empty right and um yeah that's interesting because if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul makes that very plain. He says, I would rather you speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue that sounds really spiritual, but you can't really understand it. Now, obviously, he was speaking about speaking in tongues. It's a little bit of a different topic. But the idea that you would sit in a service and like the Catholics do this too, where the preacher will preach in Latin sometimes, right? It's like you didn't understand anything. Yes, but it had a very spiritual feeling to it. It had a very, you know, melancholy, sad, somber feel to it. And, it, you know, people, the people that could understand that they were crying. And I did understand a few words and all that kind of thing, right? So religion is a strange, strange cat that way. So what, what finally uh, broke you free from the summer field then? So, you know, I got saved somewhere along the line there. And I'm like, you know what? I got to start teaching these kids. I got involved in Sunday school. And that was what... I, that's what kept me there as long as I was there. Like I would have left a lot earlier if I wasn't part of the, like, I love those kids. I love teaching the kids. It was, I really enjoyed that. And once like, but I had a hard time doing everything in German, right? All the lessons had to be in mm. German. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm supposed to like make a lesson. Like they didn't have books we went through. Like I had to create a lesson every time. Right. Whoa. And so I'm like, Hey, here's what I'll do. I had this genius plan. Right. So I was gonna, I print, I, I type out, you know, some questions. I'd go through some Bible reading and stuff, but I'd print out a paper for everyone that had questions on it, and then we'd go through the answers together. Okay, but I didn't know how to type it out in German. I could read German, but I can't spell in German, right? It's a different thing. And so I'd print out these papers in English, and the answers they would put on there, we would just write them in there in German, right? I would would talk to them in German. I I would ask them these questions in German, and that would be okay. And all of a sudden, I got called into a meeting. We had a separate meeting on a Saturday, and you know, all these men sat there in a circle, and they were mad. Their kids hmm. came home with an English paper, right? Like they were <laughs> furious, right? And I'm like, oh man, I'm trying, you know. And uh, and so just just stuff like that kind of drove me out, right? Mm-hmm. And then facial hair was a big thing, even with uh, my parents at the time too. Like they weren't saved back then; they are now, praise the Lord. Wow. Uh, but at that point, they were not, and. Uh, it was always a big thing. So I started growing a little scruff. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even this long, like, well, maybe about this. And uh, it was terrible though. So they were, it came to the point where it was like, at the, the church, they were like, either you shave your beard or you stop teaching the kids. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. And, and this is where I've, I've had some, you know, even other family members and people say, Frank, why are you making such a big deal out of it? Just shave your you know, face. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but to me, it was a lot more than that. I was broken free from these chains. I was free. I'm, I can, I, the Bible is not against it, right? right? In fact, if you look at history, it actually, it was a shame to them to go shave. If they exactly, had sin, they yeah. had to go shave and they would go hide their face, right? And so to me, I was like, look, I'm free from this, right? So my thing was always, give me scripture 
and I will, I will, I will change it. I will shave. Yep. But until you can give me scripture, and I look back, and I could have done things probably a little bit different too. But at that point, I'm like, I want scripture, right? I don't want your opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter to me, right? I've listened to opinions my whole life, right? And so there was a, it, it, it's as much as I don't like to admit it, but the facial hair was actually a big part of why I left. Interesting. Because I, I was, and, and it was not literally because I was just too stubborn to shave. It was because it. Then I realized how stuck in religion they yeah. still were. Yeah. Right. That's that's kind of I'm like, hey, wait. Even that is such a big deal. I'm like, you know what? I, I just I can't do this anymore. Right. That's so interesting. I can't write my. One of the things that really opened my eyes too to the to the error of the old colony was uh, there was a group of people that left before I was of age to leave. Right. They were like ten years older than me, maybe seven years older than me. And okay. they had gone to a brother's meeting and one of the guys had a big beard, kind of like you did just a couple of days ago. And uh, the old colony men, like the leaders of the church, the singers and the fushtaya and, and that kind of thing, they had been mocking him and ridiculing him. All he had been asking for was, can we do some teaching in English so that we can understand it? Like we haven't been taught German well enough. We can't really follow along. And they were like, you schnodernays, who do you think you are? Somebody had even come <laughs> and pulled on his beard. And so then my friend who was telling me this, he says, Okay, now just think about this for a minute. Even if a beard is wrong, even if the old colony is right, do you think their behavior was correct? And it was just like, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, these people were totally in error. They were being ignorant. They were being rude. They were treating him with disrespect. They were, you know, mocking him as grown men. And it just opened my eyes to realize that the beard wasn't the issue. It was the hypocrisy in that congregation and in the, in the leaders of that church, right? Absolutely. So yeah, that was, and it was, it was one of the one of the guys that was in our Bible study as well. He's an, a great guy, and we we had, um, he ended up we ended up doing home church with him as well. But he was also a Sunday school teacher, so we'd teach different classes, right? And we kind of we, we were in the same Bible study. We both got saved. We both, um, you know, went through this transformation, right? And so he was dealing with issues, same thing, you know, the facial hair, the German messages, all that stuff, and I was dealing with it, and we kind of. I believe he left first and I stayed a little bit longer and, we, and then I left, um, but we both left. And then, then we're like, well, where do we go? Right. So then we got a little bit, I don't know if high minded, but there was no church good enough. Right. We were so burnt by churches. We're like, you know what? Like can we do home church for a while. Right. And so we had us and John and his in-laws and we had uh, um, the other guy as well, Corny Newstater and, or Neuter, sorry, Corny Neuter. And we were, just started home church and just it was great we learned a lot but at the same time it wasn't the same right like we we desired i desired to have more um fellowship with more believers get together community with more people right? and yeah. community and it's just like the home church don't get me wrong it was awesome like i learned more in that period of time than i had the whole first you know 20 years of my life right yeah um but but it was uh it was, there was still something missing definitely definitely something missing right so but we were too no church was good enough, right? Because every church we could find faults with every church, so we were we just we just did the home church instead, right? Yeah. So then I know John and John were getting together at this time then too, and they started attending the Baptist church, and they became ordained deacons there, and eventually were going to be church leaders and all that kind of stuff, uh, maybe even pastors at some point. And then that whole thing, they kind of broke free from that. I don't know if broke free is the right term, but they left that to start this little group, right? And this was around. Yeah like two or three years ago only that the Bible truths group started up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you were so a part of that. I was absolutely. Yeah. So that same church they went to as well. And uh, while they were doing more of the preaching side of things, I was uh, again with the kids. I, my heart okay. always been for the, for the children. Right. So, and same thing, I got put into a Sunday school class there and I was teaching the kids and um, it was awesome. You know, I had ages five to 10, I think it was the four to 10, but anyways, it was, yeah, the younger children there and, we had some great times. And even after John and John started this church, I'm like, well, I don't want to be looked at, you know, just following John around. Right. And uh, I know, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm going to stick around here and just teach these kids. I can't leave these kids again. Right. I can't do this and hurt all these. They, they liked me and they respected me and they're always excited when it's my turn to teach. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a good feeling. And I'm like, you know what, these kids like me, I like them. I don't want to leave them. Right. If anything, yeah. I'll stay for them. So I stayed actually a couple months longer than after John and John left. And it was, it was the kids that kept me there again. Right. Cause you know, even when I left the Zama Falda, you know, after I had left there, I heard from other parents, they were like, 
you know, these ancestors go shoot, like our kids, like they were crying, you know, that their teacher left and all that stuff. And that hurts, you know, Yeah. like that, that hurts inside you, man, what did I do? Did I make the right call? Right. So now I was going through the same thing again, but it was, it was a little bit different, right? We weren't arguing about facial hair and different things, right? Like he was preaching the gospel, which is awesome. Right. So right. there was nothing about that. Right. But um, it, part of it felt the same. It's like, really, I'm going to go through this again. Right. Um, so I stayed longer just for the kids. But again, it's just, you know, it, you got to feed your, your, your family as well, you know, spiritually right. as well. Right. So <laughs> nice. So, I mean, to kind of wrap it up, I want to touch on this topic a little bit. We're coming out there in about three weeks to come and preach a series of messages. I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I wonder what is your assessment now to the general uh, state of the Mennonites in your area? Is it like primed and ripe and ready for revival? Or is there a lot of people still coming out of Old Colony and Summerfield and Rhineland getting saved or how, how is it looking? I know your group has grown quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, f I find like even, I would say a year, a couple of years ago, it was, that's when I felt like, I mean, the re revival was happening in Alberta, not, not like a specific revival meeting, but there was like people getting saved left and right. People that I'm like, okay, there's no hope for these people. Like they're never going to open up and they were getting saved. You know, it was awesome. We were hearing yeah. like all, everyone we were hanging out with like, Oh, my brother got saved. My parents got saved. My uncle got saved. Like, and it's just like, that's awesome. What's going on here? God, this is <laughs> awesome. Right. And, and I, I, honestly, I haven't been hearing as much of it in these last couple months, but I think what's happening is there's so many people got saved, but they're not getting fed. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you, you get saved and you're like, well, what now? Right. Uh, Galatians, you know, going back to the law, you know, different mm -hmm. things like that. And, and I think what's happening is now they're starting to search for a good group of believers to get together with. And that's why our church has grown the way it has is because a lot of these believers that got saved are like, Hey, well, where do we continue to grow in yeah. Christ? Right. And, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of uh, people come that were already saved, but uh, some of them only got saved afterwards after attending. Right. And some of them, you know, have shared stuff with their parents and stuff and they've gotten saved. But, you know, again, it's that leaving the old colony. It's like, hey, I can get saved. I can listen to these messages online, but I still got to show up on Sunday morning so the preacher can see that I was there, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so even my parents, too, like that after they got saved, they stayed in the old colony for a little bit longer and how they just couldn't do it anymore. Right? Now, so now they're, they're at your group as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. man, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a point in time where I almost like I almost gave up, you know, they were they're pretty pretty close minded and, and just praise the Lord. You know, they, it, it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. My, I know my parents, when I got saved and especially when I got baptized, it was such a huge deal. Like they were, they were just terrified. They were having nightmares at night, you know, just scared that I was for sure, um, paving my way down into hell, right? Like I was losing it completely and it was tough for them. I felt bad for them. I still kind of feel bad for that time. Cause I was just boldly marching forward without, you know, my, not much regard to how people might've felt about it. Uh, looking back now, though, it was something that God definitely used. Now, you know, 10 years later, my dad and I are doing Bible study, walking through the book of Hebrews together, and I'm putting notes together so that he can use my notes to go and teach another group of older gentlemen and, and families, teaching them a Bible study, right? So they don't attend our church group, but we are affiliated with one another. They love hearing me preach, and they'll tune into my stuff. And it's just, I would never have thought, right? It's amazing yeah. now what has transpired yeah. in these last yeah. 20 years. That is awesome. Praise the Lord. And I hope I didn't veer the conversation a little bit off. I know you were trying to bring in the revival a little bit. No, there no, as well. that's good. And I kind of transitioned. But yeah, so um, I, yeah, that's basically so. But what is what's awesome is a lot of these people that got saved again, I think a lot of them haven't continued to grow. I think they kind of just stayed there. Right. And so this revival, I'm really excited for it. Actually, I think it's gonna be awesome. I'm hoping, hoping a lot of people come out and join it and just, you know, learn, right? Learn yeah. from, from God's word. Right. So that's for what we're sure. all gathering to do. Right. So and um yeah, I think I think it'll be awesome. I think it'll be great. And we're we're really excited. So yeah, I am definitely uh, looking forward to. It. We've got a lot of people that we want to see, but uh, meeting all you guys down in Southern Alberta is going to be a neat experience for us too. We've never done anything quite like this. I've obviously I've been preaching for quite a number of years, uh, leading Bible studies and teaching and preaching and things like that, but never that I've gone somewhere and preached a series of messages like this. So I'm really looking forward to the the environment and the atmosphere, but hopefully ultimately that. Uh, people learn truth from the scriptures and that uh, they live in light of the gospel. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If nothing else, it'll help open some doors to like, um, maybe they can, if they don't know where to go, where to learn, where to, 
where to grow, you know, they can, you know, they'll have your channel to look at. They, if you want a local group, they can come to the local group and, you know, learn more. And I'm not saying we have everything perfect, right? Obviously, no, absolutely. But, but you know what? We do have the gospel, right? And, uh, and so there, it's, there, it's there's interesting because right? uh, Jesus talks about how you don't pour new wine into old wineskins, right? It's, it's like God constantly has to do this. And he's done it here in the, in Elmer area quite a few times from old colony, a whole group of people leave and they don't know where to go. Like they look at all these churches and they're not seeing the Bible being taught the way that they're seeing it. And so they start something fresh and they're ignorant and they're young and they're zealous and they don't know which way to go with this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, there's so many mistakes to be made. And we all do that, right? But it seems like that's how God seems to work. He takes young, ignorant, foolish people and he confounds the wise and he brings about the truth through that. And hopefully we become stable enough to, you know, establish a good church and that it won't just be a quick spurt of fire, but that it will be like a, a lasting thing where maybe a couple generations will be speaking the truth and reading, teaching the Bible like this, right? But Absolutely. We'll see. We're still young as well, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Very cool, man. Your uh, your excitement and joy is infectious. Uh, I appreciate your your zeal and excitement. It's uh, fun to talk to you. I look forward to meeting you in person. That's awesome. Yeah, likewise. I'm excited. It'll be good. So yeah. hope we get to spend a lot of time together. I know you'll be busy as well, but yeah, sure we'll, we'll see how that goes. To... Yeah. So no, it should be good. Right on. God bless you, man.